Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Diving into physiology, neuroscience and linguistic programming so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career. Moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money or make a real difference to people's lives. Tune in weekly if you care more than others. Think wisely as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe and receive our free newsletter and other goodies. Here is your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello, my name is John Cassidy Rice. I have the pleasure to be your host for this podcast. And in our series of looking at how people are using NLP in everyday life, I have Andy Hunt with me, who I think we've now known each other for over nine years. That's correct, John, yeah. Long time. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Great. And I know you have um, been using NLP in all sorts of different areas. So before we get into that, what, what got you interested in NLP? What is it that attracted you? It was part of um, very much a work-related project that myself and two colleagues were involved in. Um, we were going to be looking at people's um, careers, what their aspirations were. I think back in 2009 when we were doing this, work-life balance was starting to become a major thing for organisations. Right. Um, And we were looking for a way to have constructive interviews with people, um, about probably about two or 300 people each that we had to go around in an organisation. Wow. And as we were looking for methods to kind of be um, more consistent in the way that we did that, um, we came across um, NLP via one of our senior managers who was, I think she's probably now um, an advanced practitioner. Okay. Um, And she'd come through, not not via your route, by a different route. Yes. We had a look round, found your diploma and... Uh, the one-day diploma that you do. And myself, I did it in Bristol. Yes. I think my colleague called Rachel, I don't know if you'd remember individuals to that extent, because I think the the other two colleagues only did the diploma. Rachel did it in Birmingham. And a lady called Karen from Scotland, I think we managed to persuade um, our managers that there was an urgent meeting that she needed to attend in London so that she could stay over the following day to attend one of the sessions that we did down there. Excellent. Um, so we were probably doing a bit of NLP already by then. Yes. Um, so did it help with the interviewing? Oh, it certainly did. And then, yeah, we were, I think the objective that we got, when we got that number of people to see, yes. we needed to gain their confidence, get into a meaningful conversation, and following the um, coursework that we did with you, we had it in mind that we were looking to help them find well-formed outcomes We've kind of got the the buzzword for that. Um, And we needed to do that in quite a short period of time. And using the NLP techniques of to help us gain people's trust and for them to understand that it wasn't just a cosmetic exercise, that was where we gained the real benefit from it. 
Excellent. And I know this was nine years ago. Uh, do, do you remember what any particular NLP techniques that you might have used to gain that trust quickly? Um, I think that the kind of the, the pieces around sort of the postural echo, um, mirroring people, that kind of thing. But And I think I think that was kind of a fairly common currency that that was the sort of thing you could do to put people at their ease. But yes. actually having gone through some of the exercises um, with yourself, to be able to do it in a way that's not obtrusive, that it's happening for the people without them actually knowing that you're deliberately doing it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, now that's important. And you'd have had a lot of practice having to interview over 200 people. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, And, you know, I, have, I think in fairness, most of them went really well. Excellent. Um, it, 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 did, it did what we wanted it to do. Um, and I think that's a very important point you bring up there is that when you're using rapport building and matching and mirroring skills, it's not about completely match or mirror and copying somebody. It's yes, about right. being subtle and human with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was, there was quite a bit of cynicism amongst people when we first started. Yes. They kind of thought that what we were doing, looking at their careers and that kind of thing, was just a cosmetic exercise. Um, and we, I mean, we did manage, we, we got to the stage where we completed the first round and had covered virtually all the people that we needed to, and we're just about to start um, the second round. And then I think we probably had a bit of an economic blip and it was all hands to people out, out early with clients and that sort of thing. Right. Um, but... I think one of the ones, one of the areas that helped me with most um, that sticks in my mind, we had a very dysfunctional call centre. Um, okay. And they, they needed a lot of looking after um, to find out what the problem was. There were three groups, um, a group of young graduates who'd been newly recruited, a group of long-term employees who'd been assigned into this for their experience, and a management team looking after them. Something was clearly going very wrong with that group. Their performance was plummeting. And as I'm sure you know, call centres get measured quite aggressively on um, quality of service and how many calls they answer and that kind of thing. And actually going in and identifying where these different groups, the different issues they'd got, again, building the rapport with them. And I think... I think the phrase that comes to, to mind, it's, it's one that I, I recognise or remember from the courses, is um, the map isn't the territory. Yes. So we'd all got the same map of how that call centre should be working. These three different groups were working their way through different territories, um, if you like, and they've got a different perspective on how things were working. I worked with them for probably about three weeks, maybe, because there were quite a number of people in there and my conclusion was that absolutely nobody in in the group who were working together was at fault for what was going on no there was there was a higher level of management that just hadn't given the right guidance and set the right expectations and when we addressed that they all started to come back together again and they became a much happier group of people Excellent. So it sounds um, like a process of building trust first for the rapport skills. Yeah. And respecting each person's map of the world. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, which enabled you to identify maybe just some vision, some leadership input would really help. Yeah, and they, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sound too cliche, but they'd got the map and they'd still managed to get lost. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, yeah, and, um, yeah, that, there was quite a lot of, um, certainly the, the team who were the immediate managers were suffering from quite a lot of self-doubt because they knew things were going wrong, but they didn't feel that they'd got any power or support to put it right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, guess I, I guess I just stood to one side of the situation um, and tried to say, you know, it, it actually isn't anybody's fault who's here in this environment. Yes. And I think that's very useful, isn't it? Because when you're in everything, it, well, as the old saying goes, when you're in the bottle, you can't read the label. That's right, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and that was, it was quite rewarding because it was something that once the problem had been identified, you could t- it was something that could be turned around very quickly. Um, and some of the people who, were, who had been recruited as graduates and were feeling very frustrated that they believed they'd got stuck into um, a rut of uh, being in the call centre, um, they went on quite quickly once the issues have been identified onto, I'll call it an apprentice scheme. It, it, yes. was, it was that kind of idea. I don't think it was, it was officially labelled like that. No. They, they went on to some extra development, which achieved what they thought they were intending to do right from the start. Excellent. And I think it's really important to, so when you're building that trust, you're pacing somebody's world. Nobody's to blame. So you pace, pace, and then you can lead them. And I think yes. sometimes we go in and we try to lead people too quickly before we've even built the trust up. Oh, yeah, I think, that, I think that's true. Um, and certainly, um, you all, I also had to just sit there and take the anger that was being directed from one group to the other and just yeah. let people, let that flow out of them. And then once they'd had a chance to have their say and express what they thought, then kind of reflect back to them, but it, you can be you can have that anger or distrust. But what do you think you would need to do to yes. make that change and kind of give them the opportunity to say back to back into the situation how they would like to see it change rather than just be frustrated by it? Yeah, now excellent. I think there's several things you've said within there that are really important to highlight. Is that sometimes people just need to vent, get it all out. Yep. to somebody yep. who is not judgmental in that situation or, or invested, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was deliberately chosen, assigned um, to that situation uh, because geographically and in the type of work that I did as opposed to what they did, we were completely separate. I'd, I'd got no particular vested interest no. in resolving it one way or the other it was just to find what the problem was and help come to some sort of resolution excellent and the other thing i think it's important to highlight within that is often sort of the managers the leaders who are meant to have all the answers that they were feeling powerless as well and but they feel like they're being judged and maybe can't share some of their concerns with somebody who's an insider i think that's probably true um i think yeah they felt Probably, I'm trying. I'm trying to recall. I think they might actually have felt a little bit scared yes. of um, coming forward and admitting the issues that they were facing. So, 
because you're meant to have the answers, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they weren't exactly brushing it under the carpet. No. But they maybe, I, I could see some meetings with other managers where maybe they were skirting around issues rather than addressing them head on. Yes. Um, and sometimes you, you kind of, there was a little bit of a situation of, you know, let's take this to one side. And, well, I, you could almost say it's a bit like when you do the three people or the three person exercise. You know, how do you think the other person saw that? Yes. In the way that you presented it to them. Did you get over the message that you wanted to, or did you kind of give a version of the message that wasn't really telling them what they needed to know? Yes. It's that perceptual position, isn't That's it? Right, yeah. yeah. So you've seen it from your own point of view, you've seen it from yeah. somebody else's point of view, and you've seen it from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, and I think from what we what we were doing, I was maybe challenging them in the how do you think that went yourself? Yes. Do you did you think you got the message over that you were trying to get over? And then but did you did you think that the person you were talking to got the message over? And I suppose I was the third person who was trying to I didn't say whether I thought they did or not, but trying no. to encourage them to think it through. Excellent. So what I take away from that example is, it's not, and I did, though I've asked you what NLP techniques you've used, it's the mindset that was more important. The NLP just gave you a framework to be able to apply the techniques, but you didn't label them as techniques. You didn't say, I'm doing perceptual positions, I'm doing rapport building. No, no. And uh, it, it's not... <laughs> When you're using it in business, I don't really feel that it's that sort of situation because you, you're tending to be working with groups of people yes, um, rather than individuals. Um, and I don't know how to put it, but you, you, kind of, you kind of create a little tool bag of the things that you think will work with the group. And then you almost pick them out by instinct. Yes. You don't think, oh, we're going to start this session um, doing such and such an exercise. And then, because actually, certainly when we were doing the issue with the call centre, there were a lot of individual interviews that I did. So I was using the, the same career building techniques. Yes. But also there were some meetings together and that sort of thing where... I kind of had to decide how much of it just to let them run it themselves and how much they needed kind of gently nudging in the right direction. And it was that sort of nudging. And I, almost unconsciously, I'd be thinking, oh, what if we got them to look at it from the other person's yes. point of view? And even it's not, it's not really the, the proper sort of timeline technique, but asking them again to reflect, well, if we look back over the last six months, can you tell where it started to go wrong as a, as a group of people? Do you think there was a point where it went wrong or did it, do you feel like it just gradually deteriorated over time? Because everybody was well aware that the, the stats and performance um, criteria that they were supposed to be meeting, they weren't meeting. Yes. And you just kind of, you know, can you identify where it was, when it was? Um, I think there was... If I recall correctly, I think one point was identified when a very key lady went on maternity leave and a number of people felt that at that point 
one of the key guides that they had had gone away. So they, um, you know, when they thought back on it, that could have been it, and maybe um, there wasn't enough planning or enough work done to fill that gap when it arose. Yes, excellent. So you sound like you had a really good opportunity to apply the skills you've learned very quickly. Yes, I think I think I was I think I was very lucky, and they also, as I said, the two uh, colleagues who did the diploma that was where they left it. Yes, I was also very fortunate um, that the organisation, my boss in particular, was supportive enough that I said, well, if I'll, if I'll front the cost of going on the practitioner course, will you give me the time off to do it? And yes. they were happy enough to do that, which gave, I, I'd got that extra um, area of interest that had arisen just from doing the diploma and decided that that was what I wanted to do as well. Excellent. So Excellent. That, was, that was almost from a personal development point of view that allowed me to do that. Yeah. And I think it's really important to sort of invest in yourself as you go through your career and the different stages of your life. Oh, yeah. Well, subsequent to that, um, I asked to be made redundant and did a master's degree. Ah, um, excellent. In human resources. Yes. And I, I think I messaged you at some point um, when I was thinking of doing that and said that I didn't think I would have been brave enough to do that if I hadn't done the NLP work and had some sort of self-awareness of what it was that I wanted to do. Yes. And I think it's, for me personally, when people say, does NLP work? And I go, yes, I know it does. And they say, well, what is it? It's not one technique in itself. No. It's actually a combination, a way of thinking, a way of approaching life that gives you that, A, self-awareness, and that's building that confidence in yourself to move forward to bigger and greater things. Oh, I think so. I mean, I, th- I think there are some very good, well-defined techniques Yes. Um, certainly the fast phobia cure worked for me yes um, I've never done, I don't think I've done it very well for anybody else uh, but for me I discovered that I don't have a fear of heights I have a fear of, or I had a fear of edges right and once we'd worked that out then that technique worked um, well for me um, but I think I think some of the, some of those some like those stand apart as things that can be done almost in isolation. Yes, they're formal but, techniques. But you've still got to have built up the rapport and the trust so that the person you're doing it with kind of comes with the, the, the pre-assumption that the thing is going to do what it says it is going yes. to do. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a, I think there's a background of um, generalized combinations of techniques and then a few very specific ones that work in particular circumstances excellent so you've had a chance now to you know a good starter in the nlp being able to practice it and put into action straight away and as you progress it's been nine years now yeah it's probably become much more part of your behavior you probably don't even notice or label it as kind of nlp it's just a natural part of you so i haven't been involved in it this long and you know you're here sharing your knowledge what ben- other benefits have you derived from taking the NLP? Um, as I said, I, I think it's just generally made me more confident in what I do. Yes, um, and I think that I think that goes both ways. It makes me it's made me more confident in what I do in myself, but also more confident in interactions with other people yes um 
after I'd done the um, master's degree, I went on to work um, in the public sector. Um, and I was working on some very high level business cases and dealing with people, you know, almost at the pretty much at the top of that organization. Yes. And finding that you could um, gain their confidence and they were naturally quite um, what's the right word? I don't I don't want to say cynical, but I suppose they're often quite risk averse. Yes. They they like to do things uh, in the way that they've always been done, and having the ability to challenge that and to present them with other ideas, I think all of that comes from a combination of sort of experience in other organisations, but then framing it through what I've learned uh, through NLP as well. Yes. So as you've been working in sort of various different um, organisations. Have you shared with people that you've done some NLP? And if so, what reactions have you gotten? Um, I'm trying to think. I definitely have shared it. I mean, it's it's something that I've put on um, CVs as being a qualification that I'm quite proud of. Yes. It's something that I've talked around um, within interview situations, Um and explained to people kind of the, the benefits that I think my experience will bring to their organisation. Yes. Um, I suppose, in a way, you kind of, I've kind of used it almost as a little bit of, um, I don't know, would, would a shock, would shock tactic be the right word to use? But kind of something to highlight the, the idea of thinking outside of the box. Excellent. People, so, you know, some people have heard of it and are quite comfortable with it. Um, most people haven't. And then just saying that you've done it and having that little bit of a side discussion around it um, has always been good. I've never had any pushback about with people um, discussing some of the what you might have in a what would you call it, sort of the, the darker side that you hear from the States of, you know, guys manipulating women and that sort of thing. Yeah. Never never heard, never had any pushback of, oh, isn't it that creepy thing that I've heard about on the television kind yes. of thing. Oh, that's um, good to know because, I mean, some people ask me, should I put it on my CV? And, I, you know, it's, I say, sometimes put advanced communication skills, I used to say sort of about 10 years ago, um, but they're here to say you know, you're proud of it and you've openly put it on your CV and you've talked about it in interviews, et cetera, and had that positive response, even if it is just a conversation. It's always good to hear. Yeah, and I think I put it on the CV because I never really expected to get anything negative from that. No. Um, and maybe maybe because I'd set that expectation with myself, I don't, I don't know whether that was sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it, I, I was hoping that they would raise it and that I would be able to tell the positive story. Yes. Rather than be defending anything negative. Yes. I think what's nice, especially within the UK and other parts of the world, there's been a real drive to uh, to clean up some of that image that sometimes NLP has. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Um, I, I think I see no reason, and certainly the 
backup that we got nine years ago from the senior person in the organisation that I mentioned, yeah. um, we never got any guidance other than it should be treated as a professional qualification um, that, we, that we were adding to our set of skills. You know, it, it wasn't um, mumbo-jumbo or psycho-babble or whatever <laughs> you want to call yeah. it. It was actually a genuine thing that worked for people um, in a business context as well as in a counselling or self-help uh, type of context. Yes, Excellent. Well, we've managed to cover a lot in a very short period of time. Well, I hope I haven't gabbled too much. <laughs> no, it's been a real pleasure. And I think it's very insightful when, you know, somebody's had a chance to go on a course and go and use it straight away with, you know, over 200 people. And it kind of shows that you, it's not, not just about coming on a course. It's about applying what you've learned and getting oh, that well. feedback. And that was part of the deal of going on the course. Cause as I, as I say, um, Certainly for the diploma, all the, all, all the organisation was doing was investing time, but they yes. wanted to see that what we did produced some results, and, and they were content that they did. So, and it wasn't, I don't think it was too long after that I was able to come on the first practitioner course that I did. Yes, no, I but think it's very quick. Within the organisation, they were happy that if I was investing some money, they'd be prepared to invest some time. Excellent. Thank you, Andy, for sharing your insights. I think it, for me, it's very helpful uh, to, because I can talk all day about it, but, but, you know, people say, well, John, you've got an agenda. You run these courses. <laughs> um, and, yeah, but, but I'm very enjoyably. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So if you've got any questions, please do put them below in the box. And if you know anybody that would like to appear on the podcast, Always happy to talk to interesting people like we have done today. So thank you ever so much, Andy, once again, for sharing your experience with us. Thank you. And until next time, I will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter. This will ensure you are kept fully up to date on the latest in-depth NLP topics of interest. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistic programming and beyond.